Hello there, I'm Jackie Stern and welcome to my Coaching Conversations podcast. My intention is to give people a sense of the coaching process through listening in on my conversations with others who've received coaching and also with experts in the field. You will hear how coaching has supported people to tap into the best of themselves as they manage their organisation, their business or their teams as they face into the future. And you'll also hear how coaching has enabled people to achieve a desired shift in their working life, whether that's pursuing their purpose, achieving promotion perhaps, starting a new business or a new project, or creating a better work-life balance. I've lined up some marvellous speakers to chat with me. And today's guest is Jane James, a fellow coach and facilitator who has her own consultancy, Limewood Consultants. As we sat in Jane's sitting room, a gorgeous sunny room with a panoramic view over Froome in Somerset, I invited her to tell us the story of her learning about and training in systemic coaching and constellations. Just to say that the coaching conversation that you're about to hear was recorded before March 2020, before social distancing and mask wearing was required to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Much as I enjoy recording conversations online, I look forward to a time when recording in person will be possible once more. Some listeners may have uh, some experience of systemic constellations work and some of coaching, but some may have neither. So perhaps we should start at the beginning um, and the how and why you got interested in this work. Yes, well... I was working actually as a director of the early years um, organisation when I was first invited to, to a constellation and I really didn't know um, what was going to happen. Uh, but as soon as I stood up in a circle representing somebody's mother, uh, the rightness of it was extraordinary. It just, it was, it was weird, but I just felt as though this was a, a methodology that I kind of intuitively understood. So I started to explore constellations, and as a as a result of that, systemic approaches to all kinds of different things. And one of those ways is is coaching, so working one to one possibly, probably, mostly. Um, And then the other direction that I took it in was into schools and into education and supporting children's learning and development. So you, did you say, you used the word weird (laughs) when talking about standing up and representing somebody's mother. I mean, was this role play? Was this, what was... Yeah, so that's the thing. It isn't role play, and it is an extraordinary uh, phenomenon, um, w- w- which is, 
hard to explain. You really do, really do need to experience it to, um, to know about it. So that you are um, asked if you would like to represent something, somebody in somebody's system. And if you agree and stand up and take that representation on, it is quite extraordinary how you begin to um, experience things, feelings and, and uh, emotions and uh, kind of unexpected things in your body that really aren't to do with you. They do appear to be to do with the person that you're representing. Um, and this way, data from the field is made available to the to the issue holder, as we call them, the person who's um, for whom the constellation is being held. And am I right in saying that it's uh, somebody called Bert Hellinger who first developed this? So, so yes, Bert Hellinger, kind of in the seventies uh, and eighties, um, developed this. Uh, phenomenon and it was broadly in Germany that it, it, it was first kind of practiced but then you know in the in the in the 1980s um, Judith Hemming who is one of the leading constellators in this country um, learnt from Bert Hellinger along with a kind of first phase of of the next generation who took this uh, took this methodology out across the world and Judith Hemming um, became my teacher um, in the early years of, 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 of this century, as it were. So it's, you know, it has a 50-year history, something like that. Um, but particularly, there's been a, a development of organisational constellations um, in this country, um, also in the Netherlands. So... It started as uh, an approach to to as a form of healing, as a, as a you know as a way of of perhaps uh, addressing situations of conflict in families or between groups, or and then it's sort of extended into organisations. Is that right? Yes, it did start very much as a, a, a family therapy, looking at issues in families. I mean, there was a particular. But Hellinger um, was particularly addressing issues um, coming from the Holocaust. Okay. So that notion of you know ultimate kind of conflict and and human pain um, and trauma and and trauma, mm. um, but gradually um, it, it was able to be used in all kinds of other family situations. And then it became used in family business situations. Uh -huh. And then gradually people began to see that it, it could have a value in understanding the underlying dynamics of human situations. And you mentioned the field at one point earlier. Can you say a little bit more about that? Because that, that's a gestalt concept, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. Uh, again, it's a... A word that you know is not easily explained or or understood necessarily, but it's the notion that there is um, a wealth of information available to us that by normal means of of perception, you know we 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 don't have access to. 
but that through things like constellations, we can begin to access some of that information. I mean, there are all kinds of connections now through to, um, you know, physics and, and other aspects of science that might begin to explain this, um, but it's not fully, fully tied up yet. But there are interesting books, uh, the book by um, Taggart, for example, on the field, which gives more information about that. And who was it, uh, you, you mentioned Bert Hellinger and then Judith, who was it started taking this work into organisations and teams in organisations? Well, actually it was a colleague of, of Bert Hellinger's called Gunther Weber mm-hmm. who began this process, but there are all kinds of experts now who have, uh, who, who've taken this work further. Um, and you know we can give some, some references to people uh, at the end to help, them if that's what they want to investigate. Um, I saw Gunthard Weber, I've seen him working in Germany, but he visited um, England in 2005, so that was an opportunity to kind of learn from, from kind of the pioneers of this process. But Judith Hemming and um, her colleague, colleagues in Nowhere, Ty Francis and um, Terry Ingham in particular kind of grew and developed uh, organisational constellations and kind of um, found ways of teaching it and of taking it into organisations in order to help them um, as consultants. Okay. And it requires somebody to be facilitating this, doesn't it? Yeah, so I think it's really important to differentiate between a constellation um, which ideally has a, a, a circle of people, a circle of uh, willing people sitting in a circle who wish to support the exploration of issues, um, and systemic approaches, which is drawing on the orders and the principles of constellations and applying them in different ways. So this is how we can use systemic approaches, for example, in coaching. So working one-to-one with somebody, we can still draw on these orders and our understanding of looking contextually at somebody's situation and understanding it better with the kind of the methodologies and learnings that we've taken from constellations. Well, let's let's explore a bit more of that in a minute. But you mentioned an organisation called Nowhere. Um, do you want to say a little bit more about that and its role? Yes. Well, Nowhere was really um, uh, critically important in the development of constellations in this country. Um, principally, Nowhere acts doing large system change in countries all around the world. Large global corporations. But it had a foundation, and, and it was under the foundation, Nowhere's foundation, that Judith and Terry and other people like um, Gay and Ed um, began to develop and take these processes out, running trainings in organisational constellations, family constellations, and developing models for systemic coaching. So we do really owe a huge amount to them. You know, about five or six years ago, Nowhere kind of 
released these organisations out into the world and they now have different names. But the trainings, the heart of the trainings remain and really were developed within nowhere. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've got nowhere to thank for that and for the training I received. And Indeed. From yeah. you so and, everybody and who's from done, done Colpi or Family Constellations, they, yes, there's a basis in nowhere. Let's talk about some of these key principles, if that's okay, and then come back to how you've applied these in um, educational settings and other organisations. So, you've you, what are the key principles that um, you were explaining that the uh, somebody who's say coaching with 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 the systemic approach in mind needs to be considering and will be using when they're coaching. Yeah, so principles is a good word, but we actually call them the orders. So we call them the orders of human systems. And those four orders are belonging, exchange, time and place. So just a brief um, description of each. I mean, belonging in a way is the most fundamental order because we as human beings absolutely are hardwired to belong. We are born belonging into our family and if we didn't then you know we wouldn't survive so this this drive to belong to, to human groups to human systems is is fundamental and with that belonging goes something that we we call conscience so it's the notion that um, conscience holds us in belonging in in certain groups into our family into peer groups, into our workplace, into clubs, associations, churches, whatever we belong to. And that conscience holds us loyal to that group. So um, one of the ways of helping people to understand that is to think about times when, when we're conflicted and we want to do something that will be right by one group that we belong to, but we're also drawn or required or requested to do something for you know some uh, another group that we belong to and then we feel that that conflict of loyalty in in our conscience very strongly so the other the next uh, order is exchange because as human beings our relationships are all um, uh, transactions between us either in terms of words or in terms of money yeah, being or in paid terms work, of yeah. yeah in terms of um gifts in terms of compliments in terms of expressions of love or expressions of hate mm. so any transaction between humans can mm. be seen as a kind of form of exchange mm. and it has consequences it requires somebody to give something back mm. um so understanding that order is also incredibly helpful then the other two, in a way, uh, perhaps are more uh, fundamental orders that people will understand. So the order of time. I mean, time is just an absolutely give, an absolute given in our in our universe. Um, but in s- systemic thinking, we always say that that which has gone before will affect that which comes after. At one level, it's obvious, but once you start to think about things like um, family trauma that's happened in the past, um, 
it may well still be having an effect if it hasn't been fully addressed and acknowledged. Or an organisation where there's been bankruptcy or fraud or... Or an organisation that's been set up wrongly or, uh, yes, or people have been dismissed Mm. um, unfairly. These dynamics will kind of stay in the system. Okay, okay. And then they'll show up. And then place. And then place, well, yes, it's it's a notion that, um, you know, we, we all have a place either in an organisation, for example, what is our place? Um, uh, and, and it's not only hierarchical, it might also be to do with, for example, how long we've worked in the organisation. Mm. So long-serving brings its own kind of um, respect and, and responsibility. Um, another interesting one, which also affects organisations, interestingly, is sibling order. So where where in your family were you born? Are you the eldest or in the middle or, or the youngest? And that can show up in an organisation. Absolutely, because mm. your place in the family gives you certain kind of certain characteristics and certain um, uh, behavioural traits that we can trace. Well, that kind of uh, leads us into perhaps you being able to give some examples from the work you've done of where these... Um, orders show up in organisations are you able to do that without betraying any confidences Um, because I think people would be interested to hear yeah I can I mean I think um, a a very powerful exercise that you can do with I mean you can do it with people so you can do it with the representatives this word that we were using before you can also do it with bits of paper and I've certainly done this with a very senior leader um, who was kind of struggling a little bit in her organisation. And I set up the line of um, of women in her family. Okay. So essentially stood her at the front and then put bits of paper behind to represent her mother, her grandmother, her great-grandmother, her great-great-grandmother. Her so basically her ancestors through the female line. And, um, you know, to do this kind of slowly and, and mindfully, but getting her to stand and really draw on the strength and history of her line, which had been fractured and involved different countries and, and trauma and, 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 you know, dislodgement and all that kind of thing but to really feel the strength that came down through her female line um you know it it made a significant difference to her how did that i can't quite see how that related to the difficulty she was having in the organization what's that what was it you'd noticed or there was a sense that she wasn't fully um fully occupying her femaleness in the organisation. I would say that there was a tendency for her to, um, she worked with a lot of men, to uh, kind of slightly act from, from a male perspective and actually allowing her to feel the full femaleness, her full femininity, um, I think 
softened her in a way that actually contributed to being able to be a more effective leader. And I, I come from a background that means I like evidence, so what evidence did you have from her afterwards that there'd been a difference? Well, of course, evident, evidence in coaching is nearly always kind of anecdotal, but, um, you know, she reported that things went better. Okay. So she didn't perhaps shout as loudly. She she had a more empathic approach. But the, the interesting thing is I think you can see a difference in people. So the next time they come in for coaching, mm. there's something different about the, the way they look, the way they yeah. they kind of present themselves. Mm. Uh, and I noticed that. Mm. I um I have a client at the moment um who happens to have married into a family business, and um she, it became apparent she needed to find her right place in this because she was right on the edge and she needed to be somewhere else. So I just used little tabletop figures to set it up as it was, and a load of information was revealed from that, mm. and then to set it up as she'd like it to be. And, you know, we had directional arrows about where it was going. And what was absolutely marvellous was she, following week, came back saying, oh, this has changed, that changed, this person's now talking to this person, and I feel much more as if I'm part of this properly. Yeah, wonderful. I th- I think I was going to talk about that. It's interesting you talked about tabletop. So... Mapping is a really useful um, word, I think, to use in terms of systemic approaches. Because in a way, a constellation is a map of a system. But we can make kind of representative maps using tabletop objects or stones or small figures of some kind. Or even just using um, post-its, which are kind of movable on a... On a, on a piece of paper, a piece of flip chart or whatever. So mapping is a really, really useful systemic tool for any coach. And have you got an, another example from an organisation where these ordering mm. forces have been in Yeah, so, so this is one more acting as a, 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 as a consultant, mm. but um, this was a situation where... This was in schools where a new head teacher had been appointed uh, and was the only woman in the senior leadership team. So not only was she the only woman, but she was also the youngest. Mm. Um, she had been she had been deputy within the school, but she'd been in the school the least amount of time compared to the other male senior leaders. And she was struggling to find her right place. Well, can we kind of, that's a bit of jargon really, isn't it? And I said struggling to find her right place. Can you, what was she actually saying wasn't happening for her? She probably wasn't uh, commanding the respect that she wanted okay. from the other senior leaders. Okay. So actually um, doing an exercise whereby you set the people in the senior leadership team in a kind of spectrum according to their age. Mm-hmm. She's the youngest mm. and the men are spread out older than her. Then, in terms of how long they worked at the school, mm. again, she's 
kind of had the least amount of experience in the school. Mm. But then you change the spectrum to the hierarchical order. Mm -hmm. So who carries most accountability and responsibility Mm. for the the effective running of this school she does Mm. and the others have to stand in line as it were taking their place in support of her and that final you know it's a it's a placing it's a it's a it's a physical representation of that responsibility and accountability and something something shifted when that happened and was this with 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 other people being representatives or pieces of no, paper? This was or? this was actually them in the room. It was okay. So people so who not necessarily experienced being representatives at all. Yeah. So you don't need to know anything about constellations right. to do that. Okay. But it's quite easy to say, stand in age order. And, again, what changed subsequently? I think it's just a, it was just a very subtle shift, a kind of a bodily knowing at some level that actually yes, this person was being you know paid and rewarded to take accountability and responsibility for the whole the whole of the school. So did exchange, you talked about exchange before, did exchange come in there as well in terms of what was the right exchange between these different members of the senior leadership team? I think that's right because I think actually um, there's a there's an exchange in terms of respect. So yes. those senior leaders respect the fact that she's been appointed to this job by the governing body equally she um, came to understand that she owed them respect for the huge experience that they'd got in working in the school and actually that you know drawing on that um, appropriately and and with full acknowledgement you know hugely beneficial when we teach this work in schools we we talk about the four orders as I explained earlier but we also talk about the four ways of knowing, which is a Jungian concept. So we know about thinking, we know about feeling, emotional knowing. Um, but we put an emphasis as well on, on kind of sensing, which is very much bodily knowing. How, how are you really tuning into what your body is telling you? And then the fourth way of knowing is intuition, which in some way I think is closely associated with with bodily knowing so uh, be having presence is key to a systemic coach and that is a lot about being in tune with your body in order to be in tune with somebody else's presence and and body i sometimes talk about deep listening so not just listening with my ears but listening with the whole of me, including maybe my gut. Really important. So so gut would be, you know, is another word for for intuition really. Mm. So it's you know it's a part of your body that you it's not we don't directly call it one of the five senses, but it absolutely gives us information. So I think that's uh, you know that's really helpful. Always also reminds me when you talk about listening with 
deep listening, listening with your gut, that as systemic coaches, it's really important to sit back, not to lean forward out of eagerness and and kind of anxiety to be putting things right for the client, but actually to be holding the space. It's another form of um, embodied intention, holding a space where the client can um, explore their own issues um, with your facilitation. Hmm. And and I suppose what you're talking about is how our body is a social and emotional sense organ, aren't you? Absolutely, absolutely. And tuning into that, so you know, practices such as mindfulness or mm. meditation will really help tune um, those parts of us that are so important. It's not just about our brains and thinking. It's about other parts of our of our body and our bodily knowing that are critical. Mm. Mm. And and that sense of being able to be still and quiet and um, very mindful and very present is is what's needed when someone's asked in a group setting to be a representative, isn't it? It really is, yes. You have to kind of just kind of let go of everything that's, you know, in your brain and in your feelings and just offer yourself as a kind of... um, Offer yourself as a representative to to see what arises. So, yeah, these practices of, you know, meditation, yoga, uh, really do help with the practice of constellations and I think also perhaps what you're touching on there and we haven't mentioned this yet is that whether you're a facilitator or a coach or acting as a representative what you're doing is being in service to the system of the issue holder absolutely yes it really is a it's a generous uh, gift to um, take part that that, that that you're invited to mm. and there's something honoring about just actually being willing to do that so just sort of looking forward if you like looking into the future what's what's exciting you about systemic coaching systemic constellations you know as it grows and people get trained out what's what did it what's the sort of do you see any frontier of this in terms of what's happening in the uk the wider world um, well, it's it's always encouraging. There are more and more people. I mean, we're now into the next generation of teachers of constellations, um, and people are picking this work up and developing it and expanding the places where it's put. So, uh, you know, I, I'm absolutely loving that. I mean, I, you know, being invited recently to go to Israel to work with constellators over there because they want to apply this work into schools and education and family systems over there and you know that's just it's just so encouraging people are finding new ways to apply this work 
you know, some level, I suppose it's still, it, it's still a fringe area. Um, but I think increasingly, as other methodologies of coaching and leadership development seem to reach a ceiling in terms of how much they can achieve, then this methodology, which taps into the invisible and the unseen, something of the unconscious, you know, it's it's proving to be beneficial. Um, so I'm I'm excited about it. I'm delighted to be passing on any wisdom that I've received, and you know, to people who've got energy and ideas and creativity about where it can be applied in the future. It's really exciting, and it's a uh... It's just marvellous to be talking to somebody who's been doing this work for so long and has really set the foundations in this country. Really appreciate it. I think um, I think we've come to that point where um, I'm going to be asking you if you've got any websites or books or uh, other resources that you can recommend for people who want to follow this up. Well, I think there are there are two main routes. One is to explore family constellations, which is which is fundamental, but it's also possible to explore through organisational constellations. So, um, for family constellations, I would particularly be pointing people towards the Centre for Systemic Systemic Constellations. So that's if they're a, if they've got a particular issue they'd like to address that they think has origins in their family. Yes, yeah. or if they want to train in family constellations. Mm. Um, uh, for organisational approaches, then I would probably be looking to um, an organisation called the Whole Partnership, which is run by Ed Rowland. Um, in terms of books, there's a very good book by John um, Whittington. He also does training in. Um, organizational constellations and trains coaches and he offers um, he offers workshops he people. offers workshops as issue holders doesn't he if anybody was interested in this I would the first thing I would do is is say look up a local constellations workshop and just go and visit that way you get the opportunity to be a representative mm. to see how it operates mm. and and you know you, you can pursue it from there so you've mentioned a couple of organisations um, as channels in, but there is is there any is there any national uh, directory if you like, or is it is it too young for that yet? I think it's too young for that yet. There have been various. There was something called the Hellinger Institute okay. um, of Great Britain, for example. But those two places um, would be really great places to start. Of course, you can just put constellations into. Google and see what it comes up with. You know, there's another very good setup, for example, in Edinburgh that I know about. So, you know, there are there are hubs around the country. It's also possible to go abroad and see some of these fantastic constellators in Europe in particular, mm. and I would recommend that. Also, the two organisations I've talked about, the Centre for Systemic Constellations and the whole partnership, invite visiting facilitators over here that's another wonderful way of kind of broadening, broadening experience. The uh, the other thing you said we'd come back to was your book. Yes, so I have been working on this book for a number of years. It essentially captures 
some of the tools and activities that we devised when we were working in schools and with families. And it captured them particularly for parents. Does it have a title? Yes, it's called Family Ties. And uh, yes, I mean, no doubt you will be putting my details on at the end of this podcast in some way. And I'm very happy for people to contact me if they're interested in the book. Okay. Thank you so much. It's been really exciting talking to you, Jane. Um, And I hope that this podcast has whetted listeners' appetites to listen to future podcasts that I'm going to be making in this series. Um, Yeah, thank you. Is, Is there anything... No, I just want to say thank you to you, Jackie, because it's people like you with energy, enthusiasm and technical ability... Um, you know, who are helping to get um, the message out there into the world to coaches, to leaders. Um, and, I, and I've really appreciated being able to talk about it. Thank you. OK, going to say goodbye. I'm adding a small coda to my conversation with Jane James. She has now finished work on her book and it's going to be published this November with a slightly different title, Families, Revealing the Hidden Dynamics of Parenting. It will be available through her website, www.janejames.co. As if that isn't enough, Jane has teamed up with fellow coach Nick Clitheroe and maker Mike Malig to create an online programme for young adults called Meeting Life as a Creative Adventure. This teaches future leaders how to nurture and harness their innate creativity, how to thrive in uncertainty and how to lean into creating the unfolding future together. You can find a link to the Meeting Life as a Creative Adventure website and to Jane's website in the episode notes, where there's also links to references that we've shared. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate that. If you want to listen to more Coaching Conversations podcasts, there's one a month, you can find them on my website at www.coachingwithintent.co.uk and on whichever platform you go to for your podcasts. Please subscribe and leave a review if you're inspired to And get in touch if you'd like to know more as a result of listening. Take care.